to Partners in Change with Bree Dodd and Christian Dawson. Welcome to the first episode of Partners in Change podcast. So excited that you're joining us for this journey of sitting down with Richmond's business and civic leaders as we talk about the changes affecting our community through the lens of people's individual stories of change. I'm so excited about this first conversation that we had a couple of weeks ago. We're going to be talking with my friends, Chris and Alex from ZZQ, also known as Texas and Orange. And if you've ever been to the restaurant, you know that not only is the food incredible, but they are incredible people. Uh, and so hearing their story is very inspiring. It's fantastic. It's so exciting. Well worth your time. Um, but we end our talk there talking about the challenges of having to close a restaurant during COVID. And we were looking towards the possibility of reopening. Um, there's a lot of really important things that we discussed there. Uh, but what I wanted to share with you is that since the time that we recorded that, ZZQ announced that they're reopening on June 18th, 2021. So if you happen to be listening after June 18th, 2021, don't even bother just uh, finishing the podcast right now. Drop what you're doing and head on over to ZZQ for some of the most amazing brisket you've ever had in your life. Uh, or you can go ahead and listen to their story first and then go and sit down and get to know them and feel the love and the warmth of that uh, wonderful place after it reopens. Uh, but I wanted to take a moment to make sure that everybody knew that as of June uh, 18th, 2021, ZZQ is reopened. I am so excited to have you hear their story. So let's go ahead and have at it. Thanks for joining us for Partners in Change. Uh, today, I actually don't have Bree Dodd with me. Uh, Bree is off doing cool projects in the Richmond community and uh, busy today. So I brought in uh, my good friend, Elizabeth, um, Elizabeth Clickhart, who is joining me as the co-host today. Thanks, Elizabeth, for joining. Thanks for having me. Excited to co-host. Yeah, wonderful. Elizabeth uh, works with me at OpenEye. Uh, and uh, we are super excited to bring to you two incredible guests today that mean a lot to me, uh, Chris Fultz and Alex Graff from ZZQ. Also known as Texas and Orange. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, man. And anybody who's been to ZZQ sees that uh, neon sign right above uh, right above the, uh, what, it's not a bar, what is it called? Serving line. The serving line, right? And it's got Texas, it says Texas plus Orange equals love. Yep. You, oh, want to tell, yeah. you want to tell the story behind that? Oh, which, I love that? Which story? The wedding. Oh, I want to hear that right away. We'll jump right what? into that. <laughs> what? <laughs> We're hitting the ground running. Wedding? I did not want to get married. <laughs> okay, okay. We're jumping right into it. Let's open up about that. Texas plus orange equals love. Yep. Are you going to tell or am I going to tell? You're, I don't, I'm not sure what you mean. Okay, so... That has, uh, I mean, that's the foundation of everything, right? Our relationship, our restaurant, the culture we've created, or our commitment to the community and everything. And that actually was coined by someone at our wedding. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. I'm there. You meant the neon. I thought so, you meant the... So, yeah, yeah. Um, great story. Um, we were married under this um, blessing canopy. And all of our guests got to contribute making that with these fabrics. And someone wrote on there in little icons, Texas, the state of Texas, plus an orange equals heart. And 
that's how that came to be. That is how that neon came to be. That is amazing. That is absolutely incredible. Anybody who walks into that restaurant feels that love, though. You have built an incredible community. Uh, and I, and I, I get to say that I'm, I'm not only a huge fan, but it's an important thing for me. I moved back to the Richmond community about, uh, I guess three, three, three years ago or so. I forget how long, how long have you guys been around we, <laughs> as, yeah. as a, you know, as a pop-up as, is that, uh, we started doing pop-ups in 2014 at ardent okay. craft ales and we did three years of one day a week serving as many people as we possibly could as they patiently waited in line for far too long, but drinking their ardent beer and making friends. I think I probably met you about a year into that process as, as a, a regular line uh, stander. <laughs> uh, I was coming in um, weekly uh, just down from DC. Um, I had my, to see my kids cause That's I was, right. Uh, yeah, I was down here uh, visiting my kids. My ex-wife had moved down here. Um, and so my community was up there in D.C. Um, and I didn't really have, I'd never, had, I had not yet discovered my Richmond community, my Richmond people, uh, my community, but I got to meet so many people standing in that line every week for your incredible barbecue uh, and uh, get to meet you guys and experience just the the outpouring of, of passion and love that you put into what it is you were doing. It, it, it started the process of feeling like uh, you were one of the first sort of touchstones that I had coming back to Richmond. I love that. I, I always looked forward to seeing you and your kids when you would bring them by. And when you didn't bring the kids by, I was only a tiny bit sad because happy to see you too. <laughs> oh, <Aw>, shucks. <laughs> Uh, so, so listen, let me, let me reel it back for a second and, and talk for a minute about the, the conceit of the show and what it is we're trying to do. Uh, cause it's called Partners in Change. And what we're looking at is in the Richmond community, we're taking a look at how this community has changed over the years. Um, even in the short amount of time that I've been back to Richmond, I've seen it change dramatically, especially over the past year where it's changed tremendously in lots of different ways. Um, and so we're talking to change makers in the community about how they deal with change, how they you know, with the difficulties of change and things like that, and how they manage it and help chart a path forward under the idea that, like, we'll learn something about the Richmond community's big story by talking to the little stories, talking about the little stories. Nice. Right. Um, so that's what we're trying to do by talking to change makers in this community. And, and I feel as though we're starting out with a really like exciting uh, couple when we're talking to you because there's lots of change that's been going on in, in your lives over the past few years that brought you to ZZQ and to the changes you're bringing to the community. Um, you and like I think that it starts with when you guys met, right? How did you guys meet? <laughs> um, roller derby is how we met. <laughs> um, Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> we um, we were both going through change in our former relationships, um, both um, divorcing our former spouses. And, uh, you know, I had bumped into Alex. I don't remember how many years, a couple of years before that, I guess, through architecture. We're both also architects. Um, she doesn't claim that mantle anymore, but I'm still proud to call myself an architect. <laughs> um, so uh, I recall 
you know, this young woman at this meeting I went to at the Neighborhood Resource Center in Fulton Hills talking about roller derby and say, hey, you should come check it out. And she's a founding member of the River City Roller Girls. Now River City Roller Derby. Okay. But, but I think my passion for roller derby came oozing out of me. <laughs> Anyone I, I could talk to at that moment got an earful. And Chris and I were just loosely associated with this Fulton Hill kitchen project that he had designed pro bono. And I was trying to help Mary Lou push it through to the finish line to get it built because I lived up in that neighborhood. But he wanted to hear about roller derby. Yeah. Well, you know, when I was uh, when I was young in Texas, I had an uncle who watched roller derby every Saturday night on TV. And that was old school bank track girls actually hitting each other, you know, um, and it was a blast. And so that was the memory that came back to me when she was so passionately trying to convince me to come check out a, a bout. Well, a few years later, I, you know, going through those changes in my life, I finally had a little more time and I went to check it out. And, and I was still as passionate about roller derby as ever and looked across the track and saw this person. <laughs> he came walking up at me and I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, so we had a brief little conversation there. Yeah. And, you know, I was literally thunderstruck when I saw her the first time on the track. She was a tour de force like no other. And I was drawn to that like a moth to a flame. You know, uh, that sounds really cliche and silly, but it was totally true. And I walked up to her and said, hey, do you remember me? Bob, she, of course I remember you. And that's where it all started. Um, it took me approximately six months. To get up his to get nerve. The, well, also to sort some <laughs> things out and get up my nerve. And, you know, I was patient. Um, I'm still well, sorting things out. <laughs> Waited to make sure you were putting your best foot forward. That's right. I like it. That's right. That's where the orange nickname comes from, right? From Roller Derby, yes. Yeah. Excellent. It's and, the family-friendly version. I see. And and uh, and where uh, Chris still proudly carries the mantle of uh, architect, do you still proudly carry the mantle of a roller derby girl? I will always be a derby girl till my dying day. Love it. She just ordered some new skates, as a matter of fact. And they're orange. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> oh, that's great. So okay, so so now you're both architects, and now you're dating. So there's a little blip in that timeline between meeting her on the track that night and then the actual first date, and that was a Memorial Day party. So concurrently, I was really passionate about barbecue, and I was starting to turn my kind of creative self towards cooking, which I've always loved to do. And I attended a Memorial Day party. She was there, and I had a big platter of ribs. And as soon as I saw her, I was like, made a beeline towards her and, hey, would you like some ribs? <laughs> so that was like the first bite of barbecue, I believe. That's between absolutely. Yeah. That rib was delicious. So it's part of the courtship. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds really good. Yeah, so Memorial Day to September. That's a long time. Yeah. Can I tell you that um, your fatty brisket is a part of lots of people's courtships? I think now. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I've got something special for you. Come here. <laughs> Excellent. Um, again, a note to anybody who's not been to ZZQ and tried Chris's barbecue. It is, 
It's incredible. But it started out as a hobby. It did. A backyard hobby. Mm-hmm. Wow. Any formal training there or just from, no, no, from the passion? No, no, no. I, you know, uh, back in the day when I moved here, uh, I moved to Richmond in 1996. Um, this is not a knock against any of the barbecue, established barbecue places in Richmond, but there, I couldn't find the type of brisket that I, I grew up with in Texas. Mm-hmm. And so uh, after five or six years of being let down, I called my father and said, hey, you know, and my dad didn't know a whole lot about smoking brisket, but he knew some things because he had done it. And I began teaching myself the craft. Um, and it took, what, 15 years from ish from that point to get to being able to have the courage to do it for others and, you know, out in the public realm. But, uh, yeah, it started with that, literally that, that desire to want to do something. And then, you know, I started cooking for friends, parties, office parties. Um, uh, we used to have a, an annual block party and I would cook for that and everyone would come get my barbecue and try it. And then, uh, Another nice little anecdote there is that when Arden Craft Ales was starting out of a garage in, I think, in Churchill, um, they started doing little pop-ups in people's backyards. And they asked me to cook barbecue for one of those. And that's how we met. Yeah. Wow. So that ended up being the launching board for ZZQ out in the public when they opened their brewery. So in a way, you know, it wasn't even your idea to try and take this beyond the the block party. Well, uh, when I met her, then, you know, uh, it was like a force multiplier. I mean, she fell in love with cooking and she's so uh, genuine and natural with people and loves talking to people. Um, It was a perfect kind of fit because I'm, you know, much more introverted and rather be, you know, spending long hours at the smoker in the middle of the night than out talking to all the guests. I love feeding people. I love watching people respond to Chris's food that you can walk up to someone and you can see where they are in their meal by the look on their face. (laughs) And it's a, it's just beautiful. Yeah. And I'll say that, that, that experience, that immediate gratification of making someone smile with your food uh, captivated me. Um, you know, I was a very passionate designer in architecture, but rarely do you get to interact with a user of your space, and especially one that exudes so much joy and happiness with what you've created. That rarely happens. Oh, but when you give a guest in your backyard, you know, in a block party, a bite of a burn end, and their face lights up, there's okay. no other high than that. Oh, my gosh. Literally. I mean, that's that's what drew me into wanting to make more and make it better it makes people smile like you are right now i I am and you know why i'm smiling is because i'm thinking about the trips that i've taken with friends who i've brought to your restaurant and sat with them to wait for them to take that first bite of fatty brisket because i look for that that too and i'm just a guy who loves it right Mm -hmm. i can't even imagine as the creator yeah you just watch that joy just wash over their faces there's nothing like it oh that's so cool so you got to start experiencing that with the Arden Mm pop-ups and and you saw the 
long lines of people responding to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very intimidating. <laughs> Until sold out every. Yeah. So, okay, very intimidating, right? Uh-huh. So, how do you go from that to what do we do next? It's all systems, ultimately. The yeah, but what made us make the call to want to build a brick and mortar? Like, what was that? Well, what else are you going to do? There's no nothing else to do but to continue moving forward and to feed more people and to make it more accessible for mm-hmm. more people, especially with there being little to no brisket in our region. Mm-hmm. There's no choice. And we kept having, while we we're doing pop-ups, we kept getting these asks for interviews by big publications and we were getting noticed. So you go, you, you, you just go. Right. So this program is about change, right? And, you know, I will say uh, honestly that one of the most difficult challenges uh, as a successful architect, considering a career change into the food world um, was at times uh, terrifying. Um, and that fear is something that holds a lot of people back, I think. Sure, no doubt. And I can't tell you how many um, critics we had, you know, close friends. Why would you ever do this? You know, you're a good architect. You're really good at this. Look at all these things you've done, you know, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, why would you do this? It makes me happy. It feeds my soul like nothing else. That's why I want to do it. Um, and, you know, and I was in my 40s then, uh, in my mid-50s now. And it's kind of a late career move too, right? Right. But there's no time like the present and it's never too late to I follow mean, your passion amazing. and your dream. But I mean, restaurant businesses are notoriously difficult. Right. Um, so that takes a tremendous amount of bravery. Um, yeah. And you, know, you hear this silly cliche all the time about if you believe in yourself, you know, just believe in yourself. And if you believe in your dream and you have a laser, laser focus on that to manifest that, mm-hmm. it can happen. It's true, though. But it would have never happened without us together, I don't think. No, it it really did feel like this force had come together and there was something much bigger than these two individuals that was driving this project. And you designed this space yourself. That's true. (laughs) See, that's incredible. That was fun. Labor of love from the ground up. Yeah. It was like our home away from home we designed together. Now we live and work in it more than our home. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, the other aspect of that is um, a newly married couple, everyone says, you know, don't ever go into business with your spouse, especially don't run a restaurant with your spouse. That's like completely taboo off limits. Don't do it. Recipe for divorce. It's only made us closer. It's extraordinary. Breaking all the rules and making it work. <laughs> and designing it the way you want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and aside from maybe the restrooms and the walk-in, maybe we would change some things, but we're pretty happy with it. We might change a couple of things, <laughs> but yeah, no, what's wrong with the restrooms? You wanted more and bigger, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's a gorgeous space and it feels like, it feels like home and and the the environment you've created, it feels like a community. Um, And prior to the pandemic, 
Um, you know, I remember sitting in there and just feeling like the place is, it surrounds you like in a hug. Nice. Oh, I really like that. That's wonderful. That, you know, I mean, that was one of the most flattering things that we heard when we first opened our doors. We would have new, you know, when you're, when you're a brick and mortar, then all of a sudden you're getting newcomers from all over and they want to see the new barbecue place, but they didn't know anything about us. They would walk in and they'd look around and they'd see all the glass doors to the backyard. And they say, how long have y'all been here? This place feels really lived in and comfortable and it's beautiful. Or this takes me back to Austin, Texas, Mm -hmm. which, you know, really got me. Nice. Being a native Texan and spending a lot of time in Austin. Um, it it helps that you have the menu that's also dripping with Texas, even right down to the Lone Star oh, Beers. And- <laughs> yeah, and we did our share of research many miles across the state. You, you've you done barbecue tours. You've yeah. Now studied under the greats, huh? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, our tell them about our honeymoon. Oh my goodness. We had a barbecue honeymoon. Absolutely. We um, got married, got on the road the next day, two days drive. We're in Austin um, because we went fast. (laughs) Um, Spent a couple days honky tonk, having a good time, and then moseyed on over to La Barbecue, where John Lewis was the pitmaster at the time when they were still um, just working out of a couple of trucks. So had a great meal with him and amazing chat for about, oh gosh, hour, hour and 15 minutes and started talking about smokers because John, of course, has had designed these smokers that his dad was building from Austin Smokeworks. And that started this incredible relationship where John essentially connected us with his father, who tried to talk us out of getting a thousand gallon pit as we were driving back from our honeymoon. I think it was the last day. I think we were in Tennessee a month later from talking to John. And John Sr. is like, so much work. And Chris is like, no, I want one. Nice. And so that was the inception of Max, our first thousand gallon pit. Which was the one we had at Arda, the big one that we had at Arda. Once Mabel was uh, put on hold for a little bit. Mabel just couldn't keep up with you. (laughs) So what are the total names now of all your smokers? Mabel, Max, Maxine, Mavis. Mazzy, Margo, future smoker Millie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Incredible. And I do see a tattoo on your arm. Yeah, yeah. That- oh, that's my grandmother's name. Okay. She was like a second mother to me. Your grandmother's Mabel. And so it's named after in her memory? Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. See, this just drips of passion and that and that is why it's i think it, it it's not just that the food is incredible and the few food is incredible but people feel that great i think people respond to authenticity you know it's it's an extension of us yeah. that place is us um um it you know we used to have these annual barbecue parties uh, on new year's day in our backyard that 
our backyard at home that started out very modestly but grew into several hundred people showing up. Um, and we wanted to capture that feeling in the restaurant. That was a big part of how we designed the dining room's connection to the backyard and how the backyard feels, looks and feels. And and once um, once you got that open, you go into an era where you know for the for the food and for the um, for the ambiance too for everything uh, like you're getting national acclaim. People yeah. are coming out of the woodwork to yeah. write about you to put you on camera. And how does that feel? It's truly an honor, and it's amazing who wants to come and talk to us. I'll. Um, I remember the day when Daniel Vaughn showed up at our door. He's the barbecue editor of Texas Monthly. We'd been open three or four months. Um, we had been out the night before celebrating the long oven soft opening. So I was um, in a form. And there's this man that I really have to talk to. And it was easy and fantastic. Eileen Mellon was with him. We sat down and talked for about three hours because I gave him all my attentions, um, not knowing what the result was going to be there. And then to have him come out and say that we're the best barbecue outside of Texas Mm -hmm. and then food and wine come out the very next day, putting us up in the top and it becomes something to live up to. How can we make everybody's experience fantastic? Not just the barbecue editor, but the guy coming from Powhatan too. Yeah. I want to give them the what they need, what they're looking for. So how does that compare to the intimidation that you were talking about when you were looking at the long lines at Ardent? <laughs> well, the most intimidating day of my barbecue career was when she told me Daniel Vaughn was in the parking lot outside. You know, being, again, being a native Texas Texan and wanting to be taken seriously by my home state and especially the guru of Texas barbecue was huge. Uh, That was a rough morning, but we prepared a beautiful tray of food for him. He stood in line and ordered it. We prepared it right in front of him the way that we normally do. Um, Orange worked her magic with him and made him feel comfortable and at home. And um, he wrote a, an amazing article about us, said we were the best outside of the state of the Texas at that time. It said our stuff was flawless. And that's a that's a, an incredible honor. Um, there's been no bigger honor for me in the barbecue um, as far as being recognized for our barbecue. That's incredible. Uh, and then, you know, the other one, uh, not to get off track, but the other one that I really, really wanted to be published in, not that I think about this, but, you know, I love Garden and Gun, and we were recognized by Garden and Gun as one of the top 15 new southern barbecue places, and they did a nice little piece on us, and it's incredible. I think it's beautiful to hear that you also kind of serve it, serve the meal the same way, whoever it is, whether it's yeah. somebody who is the guru yeah. or whether it's, you know the guy coming in 20 minutes from outside of town to, to get in line and get access to this incredible food. Right. Um, do you guys have kind of an approach to that? Was that like a conscious decision? Because you do have so many, I mean, Christian is one of them ambassadors 
on your behalf within the community. And this, this passion that you guys have just spreads throughout the region. I think that we're really fortunate to have a team that believes in it also, and that is willing to be honest and genuine while they're interacting with the guests. They're not just phoning it in. They've showed up. They want you to be as excited as they are. And that energy, when we're doing that serving line, it just, everybody feeds off of it. My slicers are your first guy that you're talking to. And they're the ones who really do make people feel comfortable and at home to start. And then everybody else just carries that on down the line. So, so now I think it's probably important for us to say, like, you've built this place with incredible food and incredible community that's, again, built very intentionally. And when the pandemic hits, you're in an environment where it really disrupts so much of that. And even when you can get back to, um, you know, providing people with food, it doesn't look the same. No, for me, pre-pandemic, I always was very opposed to any kind of online ordering, any kind of phoning it in, because the experience is watching that food get built, watching your tray get built. And to have to make that shift to online ordering was tremendously painful for me personally. Fortunately, Chris takes some gorgeous pictures and everything looks pretty nice and it's still inviting and wonderful, but there's no opportunity to give any hospitality in that environment. But I had to swallow that pill and it's a way that we can still feed people and feeding people is the most important part of it. So we're still there. And I have had a few people tell me they like ordering online because they don't have to wait in line. And um, I think that's going to be an interesting thing when we do start to shift into a new direction. Yeah. The pandemic took all the joy out of the whole process Mm. for everyone. It's been extremely difficult psychologically to make it through this first year and into what we're calling the kind of home stretch of reopening our doors. Yeah. Um, but we're ready. I mean, you know, the, the, the magic of the, just the interaction with the customers, you know, it's, we only ever wanted to be a, an authentic barbecue joint. We're not trying to be a, you know, a restaurant that's going to plate your food, serve your food, accommodate your every need we do it our we do it one way do we do it our way and we cook enough meat for each day until it's sold out and we want to get back to that that's why we got into this um now it's an assembly line it's just cranking out these little packages that go in a bag and then they go out the door and you get to have some interaction but it's rare are you able to about the interaction are you able to have any communication on an ongoing basis with the people, the regulars that were part of your community? I think um, for me, I try to spend as much time out out in front of our doors to see who's coming. Check We check all the names when they're coming through to see if they're people we recognize. I've learned a lot of names. I'm, I usually work off of faces. Hey, bud. But I've really um, started to dial in a lot of names. The slicers will write little secret messages on 
packages of brisket. I had a bag going out the other day and I was like, do we know this guy? Excuse me. <laughs> Shouting back at the slicer. And he's like, the sandwich guy was writing messages on everybody's packages. I love I it. Like, That's awesome. There's little love letters going out. On- <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So, and I, I think keeping just taking a moment to be with the guest as they're picking up the food, giving them just that tiny time is a gift. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy when I get to do it myself. I can't do every single one. So I have a team and I try and let my team do their work also. That That's amazing. I want to say that uh, um, having picked up to go brisket on a few occasions over the past year, I think that moment of getting to spend with you guys mm-hmm. and, and being able to connect in that way, as, as a precursor to getting back to that is something that really meant a lot to me. There's a phrase, I don't know if this is, there's a phrase that I've heard bandied about uh, meat church that was used. Yeah. Um, there was something very communal yeah. about the experience and being able to check in with you guys. How are the kids? You know, the, the, you know, that Those little interactions, it is bringing back the little bit of communal. I think we're all hoping to get back to in restaurants throughout the city. Absolutely. I mean, that's why we go to our favorite places is they're our favorite places for a lot of different reasons, but the connection is typically the main one. Oh, and the delicious food. (laughs) But, and then we were also able to open up our backyard so people can just self-service dine back there. And that's been fun to watch, but it's, it's also, it's hard to engage because of COVID. Yeah. You know, I want to sit down and talk to everybody. I really should not be sitting down and talking to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many layers to what we're missing now. And it's, you know, you were mentioning ambassadors earlier and really our ambassadors are you all, it's mm-hmm. our customers. Um, you know, the, the little moments of, you know, a regular, like, yourself, Christian, talking to a newcomer in line and explaining what's about to happen, why they do it the way they do, you know, all the different layers. And, and then, you know, all the personal stories, too. You know it all. So you're one of the best ambassadors. Um, that doesn't happen out front, really. Right. You know, with everyone in their mass, you know, and just as comfortable as it is standing around waiting on food. It's just it's just so different. Trying to navigate the app. Yeah. And Christian's not only doing that in line pre-COVID times, he's doing that everywhere he goes. <laughs> Every newcomer to the Richmond area, he introduces to ZBQ. That's true. And now that we're at Common House, I'm going to be talking the ear off of all the people at Common House. Yeah. <laughs> You're downtown about ZZQ. You know, after doing an event here, let us bring some food here one day. Sounds good. We need to. Definitely. Catering is picking up again, which yeah. has been nice. That's good. That's good. So, I mean, that's another evolution of the business that's mm-hmm. happened, um, perhaps as a result of this. And, you know, I, I think things continue to change. And you found ways to weather this really, really difficult time um, in ways that have stayed true to you. One of the most important things is just helping others feel a little more comfortable. And that is so difficult right now 
because you have no, there's, it's so hard to read where somebody's coming from or how they're feeling or what's happening and to not get the end result of getting to actually see them eat their food and now they're happy is really hard. So should we be sending pictures when we please? (laughs) This is the, we'll go ahead and we need to tag you in more Instagram. Uh, of our smiles after we've finished eating our ZVQ. I would love that. I think there's a good social campaign in there somewhere. Uh Uh-huh, definitely. Okay, Um, so as we near the end of of our time today together, uh, I want to ask you a question. Okay, so so you guys have died. You guys have died. And you have a choice of somewhere in Richmond that you get to haunt for all eternity. (laughs) Where are you guys going to haunt in Richmond? Okay, so my very first thought, and I think this is just really completely wrong, is the veil bathroom. Wow. <laughs> Let's unpack that a little bit. What drew you to that? It's a lot of I, interesting things going on all the time. That amazing <laughs> snakeskin wallpaper doesn't is not there anymore. Oh, Many Tarpy will appreciate that. <laughs> did you guys do that work at the Vale as architects? No, not at that location. We did the work at the Forest Hill location, the new location down there. We did a lot of the um, outdoor rearranging and furniture uh-huh. at the Vale Scots edition. You can also, uh, you can haunt your own place if you want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, but I want to be together. That's right. You need to I be picked poorly. <laughs> Just hanging out in the bathroom down the street. <laughs> what a question. I, I'm drawing a total blank. Um, the only place I want to haunt is out Far west, <laughs> oh, down yeah. the desert. That's that's where I want to end up, um, physically and spiritually. So, so you're drawn back to Texas? Yeah, we, you know, um, our kind of sanctuary is the Chihuahuan Desert out in far west Texas in Big Bend. Oh. So every year and a half or so, we'll go out there for a couple weeks to recharge our batteries, and we'll go to Mexico. We hang out. I mean, we're right on the Rio Grande River. Um, we have a lot of friends out there now where we want to get some land out there. Wow. So if there's any place I would ever haunt, I just want to stay there. Oh, that's incredible. I spent a lot of time in Austin, but I've never spent any time there. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful, majestic, um, rugged, the most beautiful sunsets, um, nights. It's true dark skies, so you can see the entire Milky Way at night. Oh, wow. It's it's. Beautiful. It sounds amazing. I mean, hearing you guys talk about your honeymoon and that you guys need to put together some sort of travel guide for yeah. for your ambassadors here. We actually had another wedding out there. We had our wedding here in Richmond, and then we drove all the way out there and had another ceremony out there under the um, moon as the blood moon was rising. So there was a <laughs> celestial event literally happening as we're getting married. Wow. That was incredible. Yes. Seven years ago. Something like that. There, Chris actually took me out there for the first time. Uh, we'd been dating a little over a year. And I think the intention was either I liked it or I was gone. <laughs> well, or or you either you liked it or this was, if you liked it, 
We were good forever. And we are good forever. <laughs> I love it. Well, I mean, I, I think that we there's not a better way to end it than that. We are good forever. And we are so thankful to have you guys in our community, uh, bringing all the love that you bring to this community uh, and all the incredible food that you bring to this community. <laughs> thanks for all of it. And thanks for being here today. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for, for sharing your passion with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. It was a lot of fun. It was much more fun than I imagined. Thank you. <laughs> oh, fantastic. That's it for this week's episode of Partners in Change. A big shout out to our friends at Common House for providing us a space to bring this podcast to life. To Sonny Washburn for the killer music and to Adam Clark for the red cover. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time, Richmond. This podcast has been brought to you by OpenEye. They are your partners in change.